Welcome. I'm your host, Roger Tucker. I'm a native of Newark, New Jersey. I'll be interviewing artists, historians, authors, and other cultural thought leaders to discuss the cultural impact and influence that Newark has had and continues to have on their lives and work. Peter Solio Wright curates entertaining and informative events, exhibitions, and cultural programs. Solio has collaborated with noteworthy institutions and brands, including the New York Public Library, Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture, the Museum of Arts and Design, Columbia University, Barnard College, Newark Museum of Art, Stax Museum of American Soul Music, Leslie Lohman Museum of Art, and AARP. Solio's work has been widely covered in outlets including the Associated Press, New York Times, The New Yorker, NBC, and more. Solio is a graduate of Brown University. His focus on education and amplifying underrepresented stories are paramount to his curatorial mission and practice. So, Solio, welcome. Thank you for having me. So, Solio, uh, how and when did you enter the art world? Um, you know, it really started, um, I can't name the exact year, but it was around the time I met my partner, Bo, and um, my brother had passed, um, was murdered. And so uh, those were two of the main catalysts um, for me getting into the, the art world. Uh, I wanted to give them both a platform, you know, to honor my brother, um, you know, after he had um, died. And then also, uh, you know, meeting Bo and discovering the amazing works that he had. I was like, you know, maybe I can just put a show together. <laughs> so we have went to a, um, we went on an art fall, Harlem event by Jacqueline Orange. I think it was the Romeo Bearden Centennial Art Crawl. And we met Lisa Hayes at Strider's Gardens Gallery in uh, Harlem. And I just approached her and was like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, putting a show together. And she was like, oh, well, yeah, you should. And you can even use this space if you want, you know, not knowing me from anywhere. Um, so really, Lisa and Jackie uh, gave me uh, one of my, you know, early opportunities uh, to become a curator. I just fell into it. <laughs> great, great. Now, when did Peter Wright become Solio? Uh, so Peter Wright became Solio when I um, did radio. So my good friend, whose name is also Peter, Peter Gislecki, uh, we were up one night on the phone and I was like, hey, I got this radio show and I don't have a name. I want. I want to. I can't go on there and say it's DJ Peter, right? Like people are laughing at me. <laughs> so um, we just started brainstorming, and together we came up with uh, <clears throat> Solio, and it was really just like soul, soul music, which I loved and still love at the time. Um, love and so, and then Leo, my astrological sign, um, and so we just combined the two, and Solio was born. Great. It's a great name. Thank and, you. I wish I wish it, I wish it had a more interesting backstory, but that, in terms of like just you know historical, but you know that that's what it is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Again, it's 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 so memorable and uh, Thank you. so great. So the art world, Solio, unlike yeah. unlike the music world, 
continues to be more exclusive versus inclusive. How are you received by artists, other art curators, and art institutions? You said it's more inclusive? No, I said it's, it's, it's more exclusive versus Oh, yeah, inclusive. yeah. Well, you know, it all depends on which art world you're trying to fit into. So for me, from the very beginning, I knew like those blue chip galleries and even in the very beginning, the museums, I knew those were out of reach for me just because one, I uh, didn't study art history formally. Um, two, you know, I'm black, <laughs> you know, so, you know, all those things, um, I just knew that was out of reach. And so I was comfortable and I still am comfortable in creating my own art world and tapping into my local community. So Harlem, my neighborhood is where I got my first opportunities and is where I still continue to put on shows and, and still enjoy it and still love it. Um, and, and even now, about 12 years later or so, when I have had the, the, the fortune to work with some larger institutions, um, you know, I still don't see myself as in that art world that everyone talks about as being covered in the newspapers and this and that. I'm not in any major art circles. I, I just do what I do and um, whoever gravitates to it, gravitates to it. And, uh, you know, I do enjoy having access to larger platforms and spaces, of course, you know, that helps. Um, but I also enjoy, you know, doing an exhibition in a raw space, um, like like my current Dion Warwick show. Um, so yeah, it just, it just varies. I create my own art world. There you go. Great. Yeah. So, do you have a curatorial mission that informs the exhibitions that you create? Um, it's evolving. Um, I, it's always, you know, for me, inspiration is central. Everything I do starts with inspiration. I have to be inspired either by um, uh, a work of art, an artist, a song that may come to mind, and I say, "Oh, that should be an art show." <laughs> you know, you know, just anything. It all starts with inspiration, so that's always at the heart of what I do and, and my mission. Because I feel like with inspiration, um, people can take that and do so many things with it. Um, that is really limitless, and that's what fuels the create creative uh, circle. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you know, um, is and this, I kind of started doing this just sort of intuitively, never thought about it, but it's really about um, elevating, helping to elevate and amplify uh, underrepresented voices and narratives. Um, so my first show that I did uh, at Strivers Gardens Gallery was the Hayes uh, Danny Simmons, an artist on the cusp, and we had Danny Simmons, who, you know, is an established artist, but the rest of the artists in the group show were um, either first-timers or mid-career. And then even to my more recent show, Showing Out Fashion Harlem at the Schomburg Center, you know, celebrating the 55th anniversary of the Harlem Institute of Fashion, that's an underrepresented aspect of history. And I wanted to amplify that. So I always look for those, those spaces where I can sort of raise up the, those voices um, to help further educate and enlighten and inspire people. Great, okay. So that, yeah, that I'm gonna refer to a couple of those um, exhibitions that you just referred to. Yeah. Um, because they're, again, in the last 
I mean, I've, I've known you for at least 10 years. Yeah. But I can't believe what you've been able to produce in the last year and a half, which is <laughs> so, during a pandemic, none, 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 nonetheless. Absolutely. How yeah. are your exhibitions different or unique from other exhibitions? Would you say? Is there some? How mine? Yeah. Is there, is there have a Solio brand that you think you uh, sort of exemplify your ex exhibitions? Exemplify? Do you think? Um. I don't know. I mean, because nothing, nothing's really that brand new under the sun in the sense that I'm not going to put myself out here and say, oh, well, only Solio does a show like this, you know, because there's, there's so many other great shows and people doing similar great work. Um, I would just, I don't, I think maybe what may separate some of my shows is the experience component. So not so much I guess the curatorial aspect, I'm sort of all over the place. So I do like a, a mix of different media, lots of found objects. So that's always there. But I also see that in other shows. But I think um, it's the experience. I think when you come to one of my programs as part of an exhibition or you come to the opening night, I think people look forward to the energy that is in the room and that's inspired by the exhibition. So, you know, um, the artists are... Um, warm and friendly and passionate and and you you feel that when you come into the space i do a lot of guided tours as part of my exhibition so that's another experiential component i know that you know guided tours is nothing new but i do a lot of them for my shows because i feel like that's where you bring out the story and really get to bring the work to life for the for the general public and so you know like with show me now i was doing tours um i probably did over 50 tours um, within the month we were there. And a lot of those were not even scheduled. They were impromptu. So I think it's that direct dialogue that you get from me as a curator for the exhibition that, that may be something that you don't get everywhere, you know? Yeah, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, have you give me a tour of your most recent exhibition. Yeah, wasn't what, and that was um. You just sort of popped into the space, right? Absolutely, I didn't let exactly. you know all the time. And uh, the what you shared uh, about someone that I thought I knew uh, was, yeah. was amazing. So you're absolutely right. The curators typically take a backseat, um, and I think your engagement has always made your exhibitions very um, compelling and 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 exciting. Thank you. Thank you. So, so Solio, tell me, what has changed in the last 10 years since you curated your first exhibition? And how have you changed? Oh, what's changed in the world or with me? What do you mean? Uh, what's changed since you had in the world? I mean, we know we, we're, we're going through this pandemic, but the art world has truly changed in the last 10 years. And you've been part of that change. Um, is this, yeah. is there anything that you'd like to share that, you know, sort of your view of, again, this, this, this world that was very specific, very sort of in a cocoon, you could only access it through in either invitation or reading the right publications. Um, it's not that way anymore. What, what, what has changed? Um, 
I think, you know, there's a lot. Well, in Harlem, you know, we had a period where we had like a bunch of like galleries like La Maison des Arts and, um, you know, Long Gallery and um, Strivers Gardens Gallery, you know, and Long Gallery is still active. La Maison has closed. So there, there was a period a couple of years ago where I felt like, oh, my God, where are all the, the local Harlem art galleries, especially where, where I got my early starts. And then now I'm seeing other galleries popping up, like Kente Royal um, and, and so forth. There's always Heath Gallery in Harlem. So I think, you know, part of that is part of the, the ebb and flow with um, the neighborhood and the gentrification. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, it, it, it sustains itself um, because those art spaces are very important. Um, I think the other change, as you referenced, is, you know, there is a lot more um, uh, intentionality, I think, uh, in certain spaces to bring in more diversity, more inclusivity. Um, I think it's still very early to tell if that is... Um, part of a trend or part of a long-term serious commitment. And it's still a little early to tell whether or not that will shift some of the power dynamics that are at the root, um, just in terms of like who is in these executive positions, who is on the board, um, you know, how is the money being uh, funneled or, or artists getting financially empowered? Um, I think it's early. It's, it's a little early to tell whether or not those things shift in the direction they need to. Um, but there is this um, this conversation being had around those topics, and I think that's important. And it's definitely entered a lot more into the mainstream, largely, you know, because of the Black Lives Matter um, movement and how that has been applied to many different uh, industries, um, including uh, the, the art industry. In terms of what for me was changed, you know, um, I think I think I've gotten better as a curator, um, fortunately. <laughs> uh, so you know, you always want to grow as a curator. I think I've definitely gotten a, a stronger eye. Um, definitely um, become even better in my didactics and 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 my tours and and my concepts and um, I. Thing, what's been exciting has been working with um, some fashion, you know? So uh, I did a fashion photography show, Lana and Wendell, as part of the Columbia Triennial 2017. But then with Nordstrom, I got to like do my first like, you know, fashion show, with fashion exhibition with garments. And then with showing out, I added that. So that's been exciting because I've always loved fashion, wearable art. And so to incorporate that into my curatorial practice uh, has been exciting. Great, great. Are there, um, what if, are there um, curators that you can think of or institutions that have curators that have produced um, exhibitions that, that you really admired and said, wow, I, you know, I, I, I've learned a lot. I, the experience was truly um, uh, wonderful. Can, can, is there an exhibition recently or even in the past that sort of uh, inspired? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, a recent show, you know, it's always, you always know you love a show when you're like, as a period, like, damn, I wish, I wish I did that show. I wish I thought of that. <laughs> 
So I saw um, Nicole Fleetwood's Marking Time exhibition, Art in the Age of Mass Incarceration. And so it was brilliant, you know, it was it just made perfect sense, you know, that to, to do a show. And there was a show I saw a couple of years ago in Harlem at a local gallery, Gallery M, that also was this very same concept to a degree that had, you know, presenting, I think, art from, from those who were incarcerated. Um, so um, that was even great then. But to see the, the scale and scope of Nicole's show was really exciting. That was wonderful. Um, you know, I love pretty much, you know, any of the shows at FIT. You know, I think they do a great job. There's been some great stuff at Mad Museum. You know, I think Robert Paris Gifford is an excellent curator there, as well as the others. Um, and then just, you know, in my local community, you know, um, you know, there's been some pretty good shows at uh, Kente Royal. They did uh, Elaine Cadiz did a great show on Scaffold, which is a new series of drawings that is just, you know, portraits that are just so beautiful as people from the community and they're so intimate. You know, you know, it's like, you know, compared to like, like a museum show, yes, yeah, small in scale, but the, the impact is, is, is there. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Right. Um, I, I follow you on social media. I know yeah. what you're doing. And again, I, I, there must be two or three solios out there. Where they at? Where they at? <laughs> so, so the use of, of social media, I know that has really, yeah. you talked about this idea of uh, accessibility and mm -hmm. independent voices. And I know for, for curators, for artists, that social media has played such an important part yeah, not only um, uh, being part of the conversation, but leading the conversation. How have you used social media in your practice? And you, know, the truth, yeah, you know, the truth of the matter is I'm not, I really don't enjoy using social media a lot. It's, it's actually a lot of work to come up with the polls and make sure you got the right link and put the link in the bio and put the story. Oh, it's a lot. <laughs> so. Um, it's not something that I actually enjoy and I actually really do like, you know, keeping some things close to the vest. I don't really announce things until it's like there, right? Um, but I understand the marketplace. I understand where I am within the marketplace and I do need to, to use social media as much to my benefit as possible. And so, you know, with that, it's forced me to do even more of it. Um, and it, it is really helpful because it, it you know, connects you to a bunch of people who you may not otherwise have access to. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, they um, they would prefer to follow you on social media rather than get an e-blast. So, you know, it's all about building an audience and connecting and sharing a story. And sometimes, yeah, it is fun. Like when I do uh, like uh, Instagram live guided tour and the artists in the space and I'm running around, you know, spotlighting them. Like that's fun. So I enjoy that. So, I, I'm, I'm getting better at it specifically on Instagram. I was heavy, more heavily on Facebook, but now Instagram is where most of my, my audience is. And so, um, you know, I've been uh, tapping into that. So yes, yeah, definitely an important tool. Great. Great. The, um, you know, I, I think of you as a uh, greater New York curator. I've seen your work. I actually have seen your, your exhibitions in Philadelphia I've yeah. seen them in, uh, we, we're going to talk about Newark in a few minutes, all throughout New York. Um, and what, what I think 
social media has done is taken um, a curator like yourself and the conversations into a more global, you know, you're not the local uh, solio anymore, you're the global solio. Which ah, okay. is, is, is fascinating. And uh, can you talk about any of the um, questions or um, possibly responses you've gotten overseas from any of your shows? Have you overseas? Been- so I haven't done a show overseas yet. I would love but to. I mean, but I mean the but, response to people yeah. from shows that you've done here. Yeah. Oh, actually, there have been people that either from overseas um, have heard about it and it's mostly through social media that they connect and see. Um, so that's another, again, another benefit of social media. So yeah, there's definitely that. And then, um, what was there? Just at my showing out exhibition at Schomburg, um, there were two uh, young women who came in. I think they were from Denmark or somewhere. Um, and you know, so now I'm connected with them and they're like, oh wow, you know, there's a whole, um, seeing for this in Denmark, I'm like, oh yeah. So you know, it, it, it's exciting to to um, to see those international connections, and I haven't really um, explored or capitalized any of that yet. But but that is part of my my next phase. I would love to have a show somewhere overseas. Um, yeah. Great. What about uh, Zoom? Have you been doing many Zoom either um, panel discussions yeah. or, and, 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 and how have you found that? Have you found new followers or new um, institutions possibly through these uh, Zoom uh, panels? Yeah. Yeah. So Zoom has been wonderful. I'm Zooming away. <laughs> so what's that? We can think of who's Zooming who, something like that. Um, my, so my partner, Bo, during the pandemic, I became his studio manager, um, mainly because I didn't have enough work to do. <laughs> I was like, I need something else to do. <laughs> like, let me take you on officially. Um, and so Zoom, we set up a bunch of uh, studio visits via Zoom, and the response has just been amazing. That's you know how he got into the FIT Museum collection, uh, part of how uh, they saw the exhibition at Nordstrom I did, and his book was in there, but then I emailed them to set up a Zoom, not knowing they had come to the show. And they said, yeah, let's do a Zoom. So it was just a great, I think it leveled the playing field because, you know, most of these folks at these institutions, it would have been way harder to like get them into an in-person studio visit, especially, you know, with, you know, him still being an emerging sort of artist. And so um, the Zoom was like, oh yeah, I'm at home. So why not just click on the Zoom? So we, he took advantage of that, did over 20 uh, studio visits with institutions, that, including the Victoria and Albert Museum. And he wow. uh, got into their collection through that. So uh, it's been really, really um, a blessing to have this Zoom platform. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's been really great. Great. Uh, do you have a YouTube channel? Is there a silly? Uh, I do, but you know, Google and YouTube combined, and now I don't know where my channel. <laughs> there is a channel. Um, I'll update it later. <laughs> okay, but now I'll just go to my IG and my website, which I updated, but my IG is still here.
Great, great. Uh, last year, during the height of the pandemic, you curated an exhibition at the Nordstrom department store in New York City titled Styling, Black Expression, Rebellion, and Joy Through Fashion. Yeah. The exhibition curated by you in partnership with Long Gallery was a celebratory explanation, exploration of style within Black culture as a historical form of creative expression, rebellion against oppression, and a source of joy. What were the challenges in curating an exhibition in such a non-traditional setting? Um, one of the main challenges was ensuring that the narrative, the story was not compromised, you know, working with a corporation as large as Nordstrom, you know, you just don't know what to expect. You know, they have their policy, their protocol, and image of brand to protect. But fortunately, the people we worked there worked with there was so wonderful and so open. And it was like I faced less red tape with them than with some of these museums. I did. So it was just really a wonderful experience. Um, and they were just open and they wanted us to present what we would normally present. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that we were, you know, as you know, keeping it black. Pretty much, you know, the emphasis was styling, black expression, rebellion, and joy through fashion. And so I wanted to make sure we were representing our history and our culture through fashion and in that exhibition. Um, the other challenge was just space. It's a retail department store. You know, you know, uh, an exhibition is not the main priority, right? It's sales. <laughs> but um, so it was finding the right locations for the work. Then they have so many amazing designers on display there that already look like installations to a degree. It was like, well, how do we compete with this? Well, you don't. Um, you just do your best and find the right space. So their visual team was just awesome. And they helped us, you know, figuring out the layout and the right space and giving the right attention to the works of art so that they stood out. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was really, really cool. And then we got, you know, a pop-up shop. My first time as like, you know, what, a merchandiser. I was, you know, selling, you know, stuff out of the pop-up shop. And we did really good with that. So it was fun. Um, and I got to stretch a few new muscles as well. Yeah. Um, as far as collectors, did you um, did you sell many works? Um, and if yeah, we sold, we sold um, some some photos and then uh most of the works we sold were um on the pop-up shop was the wearable art so a lot of the triple t-shirts basayo um who is uh after that she got into Bergdorf goodman um not saying that you know we got her there you know that was already kind of in the works but of course you know it, it, it helps to see that she's in nordstrom so um, you know, she is just skyrocketing now with her line, but we sold a lot of her stuff, um, a lot of Felicia Megan Gordon's for more good stuff. It was just really, really great. And that was good because, you know, we want to make sure the artists, like I said, are financially empowered. And so, you know, seeing that we're putting money into their pockets, you know, was really, really nice. Great. Well, you yeah. spoke, I think, earlier about this intersection of fashion and art. Yeah. yeah. Now, so um, I, I think for in, in our culture, you can't have one without the other. They can't. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, 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 it was an amazing exhibition. And, um, you know, Nordstrom was probably one of the last 
brands that I would have imagined would have been so welcoming because they, they appear to be so conservative and sort of, you know, middle America. But that show that you curated was just amazing. And especially during this, you know, the height of the pandemic. Yeah. It, it was amazing. So congratulations. Just last month, you curated, as you mentioned earlier, showing out fashion in Harlem an exhibition and celebration of the 55th anniversary of the Harlem Institute of Fashion. And this was at the uh, Schomburg. How long is an, how long does it take an exhibition like this to conceive, plan, and execute? Um, well, you mean how long should it take or how long did it take? <laughs> so how, long, no, how long did this one take? It, it, it appeared yeah, so this, huge. This had sort of a different, different iteration. So, um, when I first supposed Schomburg, it was um, just as a public program, like a panel and then like a pop-up um, gallery, um, pop just one night, you know, uh, of some, some of the wearable designers. And then um, the pandemic happened, so we had to push it back. And, you know, we were like, oh no, this should not be virtual, it has to be in person. So we kept pushing it back, waiting for clearance. And then um, when it was time, I think I had, I think it was like three months. I think I had three months from the time it was like official, like, okay, this is going to be in-person exhibition. Then about three months. And, you know, prior to then, I, I was collecting information here and there, but I had other projects. So I couldn't give it a hundred percent. So um, about three months, and this is a historical exhibition. Um, and so, you know, ideally, Something like this, I would have six months to a year, but you know, life was crazy, it's a pandemic. Um, and about three months put that show together. Yeah. Wow. Three months. Amazing. Yeah, just wow. <laughs> uh, do you take on interns sometimes or do you take take on it's all um, no, I don't. All I, you know, I, huh? It's all solo? Solia? Yeah, so yeah, you know, I outsource like it's like like um videography and photography. Of course, I outsource that. That's you know, I'm not a skilled um skilled in those areas like that. Um, but just yeah, everything is me, and it's not that I don't want an intern or something. I could, but well, maybe I don't. Not right now, <laughs> because I'm I'm the type of person who is like. If I have to like manage someone else, I prefer not. So I prefer just do it myself. Now, is it reaching a point where that may have to change? Quite possibly, because I'm getting, you know, a little bit, you know, it's been a very, very intense, busy season. But, you know, I enjoy um, a lot of the A to Z work that goes into putting the show together. Um, yeah. Okay, great. Now, so we talked about last year, we talked about last month. This mm -hmm. month, you curated Dionne Warwick, Queen mm -hmm. of Twitter, in mm -hmm. Newark, New Jersey, as part of the week-long Newark Arts Festival. Yeah. How did this exhibition come about? Um, so Newark Arts had actually reached out to me. So um, was it the last year's festival? Yeah. And that was a technology theme. So I had a few ideas, but, um, you know, we spoke and, you know, it just, the, the direction, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. Um, and then they reached out to me again this year to see if I had any other ideas. And the theme was creative resilience. And um, 
I was like, yeah, I had this idea. It's kind of wacky. I don't know if it'll happen. Uh, Dionne Warwick, she's popping on Twitter. And I love Dionne Warwick. And I love to use this moment, this viral moment, as an entry point for people into her legacy and just have fun with it. Um, and I was like, oh, that's a great idea. But we didn't know, like, you know, I was like, the only way I'm doing this is if Miss Warwick gives us her blessing. Um, Cause I had, you know, I just felt, felt funny about doing it otherwise. So I had, you know, back to my media days, I had interviewed her when I was writing for Ebony. Um, and then I, so I knew her publicist, Angelo Ellaby, and uh, we've always had a good relationship. So I reached out to him and said, I have this poopy idea. What do you think? Um, he pitched it to her and they say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I really didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. And then I had to pick out a show. <laughs> wow. I, I, I really enjoyed, and I, the show's not up anymore, correct? It was. No, no, it's up. It's up through October 29. So it was extended? Well, it was always through October. The festival's only that those four days. Right. The, the show was always through October 29. Fantastic. I, yeah. I, I would suggest anyone in earshot please get over to Newark and see this exhibition. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I love the way you take one of the um, divas that I grew up with, uh -huh. Jersey girl. Um, so incredibly um, poised, you know, her, her working with Burt Bacharach, you know, the music is iconic. She's iconic, but the fact that you were able to get her to, join this 21st century conversation where she just, again, becomes queen of Twitter. Yes. It was, and the artwork, the um, different artists who did um, portraits of her and on different media was just such a, again, this idea of bringing generations, you know, it's not like we're not looking in the past. We're saying the past made the present possible. Yes. So how do we, keep that energy and that incredible sense of style and that sense, uh, you know, again, poise. How do we introduce that to a, a younger generation? Yeah. And, and I, I think you did it, did it beautifully. So um, thank you again, anyone uh, you have till the end of the month to see Dionne Warwick, queen of Twitter. You won't be yeah. disappointed. Uh, so Leo, you have a significant cultural connection to Newark. You served as the manager of adult and public programs for the Newark Museum for a little over two years. What were the programs like when you started there and how did you reinvent them? Um, the programs, I can only go by really like what people tell me. <laughs> so, cause I wasn't at a lot of the programs, but they were a little bit less community centered, at least in the adult public programs realm. A little bit less community centered, not as current or exciting. And that's no shade. That's just what people told me. <laughs> but um, so when I came in, I definitely wanted to bring a lot of energy into the space. So with the late Thursdays, which was like the late night, you know, the museums are like a late night sort of vibe. So definitely. Um, you know, we had everything from half naked um, models 
where you can body paint onto them to LED robots, to um, plate spinners, to break dancing. We had just, uh, I even got an inflatable um, mountain and we blew that up and people did inflatable rock climbing. <laughs> so just the crazy things I did, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't haphazard. Like there was, it always connected mm-hmm. um, for the most part, at least to something within the exhibition, within the gallery. Um, there were cooking classes, you know, we had Lisa, Lisa and, um, wow. and, and uh, who, um, the Sugar Hill game performed. So I was really proud that I was able to do that. And then also bring in a lot of local artists. So I did like an art battle called the Art Remix. Had a lot of artists local who, you know, maybe their first time presenting something in the museum. Uh, so that was a great way to connect them. And then part of the prize was like um, a studio visit with one of the curators. So again, adding some professional development. Um, we did like a voting drive sort of event that, uh, you know, in addition to that had, um, you know, a lot of um, community art making aspects to it. So I'm really, really proud of the, the work I did there and hoping to re-energize the scene there and, and uh, bring in new audiences. Well, I, I grew up in Newark, as you probably mm-hmm. know, and I visited, I, I'm, I've been a member for the last, 40 years. Wow. Uh, and I will I will tell you, your programs were like things we had never seen before. We had never experienced. And the um, again, we talked earlier about this idea of how art, unlike music, is so is perceived as so exclusive. You need yes. an invitation. So the yes. fact that you created programs that were natural invitations to an mm-hmm. audience that might not have seen this sort of building that looks like a citadel it looks like a fortress yeah you sort of broke down that idea of um exclusion and said you are welcomed here let's celebrate here is is again i think that's part of your brand this idea of getting people excited about art in ways that they might not have perceived art that that, Mm -hmm. it being art and as we know art is so broad yeah. We talk about fashion, we talk about music, we talk about mm-hmm. dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the visual arts are, are uh, another type of performance that, mm-hmm. um, that artists sort of leave for you to sort of discuss later. But again, you made it so um, um, interactive. And I think for all audiences, this idea to be able to interact means that you are part of the experience. Of so, course. Um, so thank you for doing that. Um, thank you. And that, and that also means that you have something valuable to bring into the experience, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, you are part of this collection of experiences. And, you, and we all have something we, have, we can bring. Yes. So uh, now, how would you describe the art culture in Newark versus the art culture in New York City? Are they um, different? I think ever my North, you know, it's the largest city in Jersey, right? But the art scene feels like the Harlem scene, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like 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 that. Um, which is to say that it feels very community focused. Feels like everyone knows everyone. Um, it feels very warm. 
um, yeah, it, it has that, it has that sort of grassroots feeling to it, which um, I think is exciting. It's part of what excites me about presenting work there because you, you really get the sense that people really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to say that in New York City, when they go to these blue chip spaces that they don't appreciate it, it's just a different vibe, a different energy. It feels like a different, this is a lot, you just get the feeling there's a lot of other agendas <laughs> in some of these other spaces in the city. So when you go into spaces like Harlem and Newark and, you know, sections of Brooklyn, it takes you back to that just like, for the love of art, you know, for the love of experience, for the love of community. Um, and so I really, really appreciate that. Great. So, so Leo, tell us about your personal style relative to fashion and performance. I look a mess today because I'm tired. I didn't really, you know, just threw this hat on, but um, <clears throat> what do you say about What's my personal style? Well, I, I I know your personal style. I mean, I've I've seen and experienced your personal, but relative to fashion and performance, I mean, I don't I don't think you say, well, you know, my style, my personal style is about fashion, or my personal style is about performance. You somehow combine the two. Has that always been important? Is that when did that become sort of your 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 brand or your signifier? You know, it was always there. I just didn't know how to express it. So I remember being a kid and a teenager and, you know, just trying wacky things. Like I used to have locks. I dyed them orange and different colors. And I used to have a nose ring when I was a teenager. And, you know, I just tie dye stuff. You know, it was just all over the place. Hot mess. But it was part of me, part of the journey of me trying to figure out who I was and just having fun with expressing myself. And, you know, a lot of what, what really changed was when I met um, my partner, Bo, um, you know, he introduced me to a whole other part of fashion that I never really knew existed and, and, you know, introduced me to styles and ideas that, you know, was within me. I just couldn't express it, didn't even know where to find it. Um, and then since, since then, I've just become a little, little monster. I just, I'm just, I just love it. It's expression, you know. I love playing the dress up and having fun, and yeah. Well, it's again, it's a very, um, you know, it's it's personal, but it it also says to you that I, I want to share how I feel about myself, how I feel about the world, how I yeah. feel about this idea of fashion. And performance it doesn't have to be on the screen it doesn't have to be on the runway you can bring it with you you can be it at all times and uh, again i think this idea of um expression mm-hmm. um this idea again the inter- the intersection of art and mm-hmm. fashion and music and performance it's always been there but we sort of relegated you know the celebrities can do it the musicians can do it. And the fact that you are, are basically saying as a as a private citizen, you have that ability and that realm to to, to enjoy what you enjoy and, and, and do it, you know, do it out loud and and very creatively. Thank so you. Uh, again, I'm, I'm sure that people say, well, we know we're going to see a great exhibition. 
but we're also going to see Solio. How will he be there? Uh, and it's always, it's always memorable. It's always fun. And, uh, again, I think, I think you have created a, a personal brand that, um, a lot of these Ralph Lauren and these other guys who have their brands would be probably pretty jealous of because it's, it's so unique and it's so, much fun. so, so, so Solio, what's up next for you? um oh god what's up next let me think um so i definitely want to work on traveling the showing out exhibition you know with certain shows you do as a curator you know it's like children oh i don't have a favorite i definitely have some of my favorites and this is definitely up there as one of them it didn't i didn't think it would come to me as much as it has to me but in connecting with so many because i did like all history interviews as part of the exhibition and connecting with the models and the designers the administrators and just recently with the family just hearing how much hii Palm institute of fashion meant to everyone i'm like wow this is so beautiful and i want to continue to tell that story so i'm definitely gonna do my damnedest to uh, you know travel that and um you know I don't like to just work on a new show just to work on a new show. So I don't have a, a new show plan right now, but um, I definitely want to travel that. Um, and then continuing to work with Bo, we have some exciting um, projects and announcements coming up. So um, I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to that. But most immediately, I'm producing a public program called God is a Dandy. Um, with uh, the Paul Robeson Galleries at Rutgers University, Newark, Express Newark. And so this is October 28th. Um, and so this will be, um, it's inspired by Jerry Gant, um, who did a video piece as part of a, his solo exhibition that's on display now. And uh, it's about dandyism. And so we have an excellent lineup uh, for this um mini virtual symposium that I'm guest curating and moderating. And we'll even be doing Zoom portraits at the end of the um, the event. So make sure you wear your best dandy look. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to get ready. <laughs> Please do. Well, listen, thank you, Solio, for sharing your amazing art career and art journey with us today. Continue thank you so much. Tune in next time for another conversation with our guests who will share their Newark, New Jersey cultural journey. If you'd like to share your Newark, New Jersey story, go to our website and submit your unique journey on our contact page. I'm your host, Roger Tucker. I look forward to sharing these fascinating Newark, New Jersey conversations with you sometime soon. So long and be well. <laughs>